In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order the Wrestling Booking Unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet that's recording live almost immediately. Double or nothing. Sort of, I guess. Uh, I am your host, Detective Mark Sparks, and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime fighting, well, one of partners, District Attorney Vincent K. Fay. What's going on, man? How are you? I've discovered that I can make my own pistachio pudding. Now, it's not really pistachio pudding. Well, I mean, you can. You just go to the store and buy pistachio pudding. But you put pistachios in chocolate pudding, and it tastes nothing like pistachio pudding. That ain't pistachio pudding, man. Also joining us from up north, audio only this week, uh, Mr. JLB. What's going on, man? It goes on, it goes on. I am not making my own pistachio pudding or any sorts of pudding, but uh, I am here to talk about a long, long pay-per-view that is double or nothing. Nobody wants to see that, (laughs) DFA. I mean, seriously. That stuff actually looks like stuff that I saw in my toilet not too long ago. Oh, snap. That make it better? (laughs) Nope. Nope, makes it closer. I mean, they looked like little baby corn, so, you know. <laughs> and we're right. getting off to a great start on this podcast, aren't we? Oh. So, yes, this is the review of AEW Double or Nothing 2021, technically the third edition of Double or Nothing, which kind of surprised me when I heard that, because I was like, wait, no, third? But I did the count. Kind of... <laughs> well, you're shit, you're right. Um, yep. As always, we are going to do these reviews in our new format, which is uh, not going match by match. Instead, going uh, worst than best. So there might actually be matches that we don't actually talk about much on this because they were neither the worst nor the best. Um, we will probably bring up most of them at least once, though. So... Um, before we get into talking about that, I always like to take this time to remind people that Raw and Order is part of the Tatnus Co. Podcast Network. Uh, so head on over to tatnusco.com and uh, click on the link for network up there, and you can see all the other shows uh, there. Um, and listen to them, and then come back and watch our next show. So, yeah. Uh, but we will kind of go ahead and get into. Uh, this oh you know I went ahead and put it up there. You can also click that like button if you're watching this right now on Facebook or or uh, YouTube or even if you're watching the replay. Click that like button down there helps us out. Mm-hmm. Make sure to uh, subscribe. It's over here. Subscribe, subscribe to the podcast as well. Um, and that way uh, you get notified when we. Post the new episodes, go live again. We uh, share live late. There. Yep, we go live late, and so I understand if you can't watch us live, um, just the way it works best with our schedule. But that's why we keep the replays up 
and we put the audio podcast up. You can find all the links in the link tree, uh, uh, all linked down in the doobly doo. So, but we will go ahead and get uh, started right off the bat. Out of the night, worst match of the night. Whew. This is a tough one. I'm I'm gonna be upfront with the uh, listeners out there and everything. There was not a match that I would have called bad. Like I, I I'm sure Jim Cornette's out there throwing a fucking hissy fit right now about the stadium stampede match. JLB um, kind of is too, to be honest with you. I wasn't crazy on this stadium stampede. I thought it was a bit long. I thought it was too edited. And I get that the generally is edited anyways, but this one just felt a little too much. A um, bit long, maybe. I think it was maybe just a tad too long, and I was just kind of done with it. I don't know. Wasn't a, wasn't a fan. Um, I I enjoyed it. Um, it. It might be up there for my worst match of the night overall. But it had so many good little moments in it that that uh, kind of keep it in the win column for me. Um, for me, it's like, Miro. Miro and Lance Archer is the worst night, worst match of the night. It's and, a good match. Yeah, really good match. For us to say that's the worst match of the night is um, a little. To tell you if you haven't watched this pay per view, go watch it. Yes, do go watch it. it is very very worth it. Um, I, I can understand what JLB is saying about the stadium stampede being too long. It, here's the kind of the problem. Enough of it was obviously pre-filmed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's really easy to tell that because when they were originally out on the field, Jericho's beating up on MJF, his, his arm wrap <clears throat> came halfway undone all the way up to the wrist and was just hanging down like a like a yeti. I mean mummy mummy. <laughs> um, and then they walked inside and suddenly his arm wrap was perfect again which means the inside bits were at least partially pre-filmed and I'm willing to bet almost entirely pre-filmed yeah. um, I'm betting they went live with the um in the arena thing, they I'm sure they pre-filmed the rappelling down the the scoreboard thing too. That's yeah. just not something that you want to worry about doing live. Mm-hmm. Um and and then they come in, and I think that part out in the main part of the arena was probably live. And then when they all went inside, uh then I think it went to pre-taped footage. And here's where the issue comes when you do pre-taped like that you don't have the ability to say speed things up for most of it right mm-hmm. uh so if the show was already running long they start this match they already have a certain amount of match that they have to show they don't have that option of speeding it up a bit um right i i don't think you would be saying it was too long if it hadn't already followed a 45 minute long uh main event. I don't know if it was 45 minute long, but it was, it was a very long main event, triple threat. Yeah. If it hadn't followed that, I think you wouldn't be saying that it was so long. 
but uh that's possible the fact that um the fact that it followed that long main event and then made the whole show go long because it went like we were originally saying it would take until 10 30 our time 11 30 your time and it blew past that mm-hmm. you know with this match so um yeah and long- and that's where i think I think that might have played into um, it feeling so long. Uh, I didn't, to me, it didn't feel so long to me. Um, it hit almost all the right notes. Uh, I think last year's Stadium Stampede did it a little bit better in this respect. The the contestants split up and and kind of traded off, right? So there was a time when. Uh, Matt Hardy was fighting with Santana and Ortiz, and then suddenly Matt Hardy's fighting with Chris Jericho. And you know what I mean? And with this, once they split up, they stayed split up and stayed paired up to mm-hmm. the same people for the rest of the night. And that eh, and maybe that's why too. Yeah. Cause that was kind of stupid too. I liked at least they changed it up a bit and they were all kind of together. They split up and then they'd all come back into the the stadium, but this was just like screw the stadium. We're just all over the building now, sort of ordeal. So, but I mean, they did that last year. It's just again, they they split up, but then merged back together again, and then split up in different ways. Um, and with this, it was just, you know, Sammy Guevara went off with after Sean Spears. Sean Spears. John Spears. Yeah. Um, and that chair scene was freaking awesome, though, when he was waiting with him in the wait, chair room. Waiting ah, in the chair hilarious. room. And that's the old, there, there were enough of those little scenes that I really liked. The waiting in the chair room, um, uh, the the uh, FTR waiting in the nightclub, um, and then Conan being the DJ, which, <laughs> yeah. which is a big throwback, because if you weren't aware before they came to AEW when they were in AAA and uh, Impact Wrestling, they were part, uh, Santana Ortiz were part of LAX and managed by Conan. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. they have a history with him from there. Um, so that was fun there. Um, you know, the little things here. Um, I'm, I'm sad because Wardlow got paired up with Jake Hager and we all know my feelings on Jake Hager. Um, and I really was hoping this could be a Wardlow coming out party for a bit. And and well, I mean, he did good, and there there were some good scenes in it. As like, like the the scene in the kitchen where they of where they stood up against the obviously fake wall and then ran through it. I'm like, ah, oh. right. <laughs> I I feel like. Uh... I feel like the it still was a word though coming out party because he was dominant over Jake for much of the this is what would happen in a ring mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that was I, I thought I also appreciate when they pair up sizes similarly, but not identically, but similarly um, in in an effort to to help encourage believability. But here, here's the deal. Uh, to me, it would have been a better coming out for for uh, Wardlow if 
instead of him being pa- paired up with Jake Hager, it was him versus Santana and Ortiz. And so big guy versus two guys. And he's able to hold his own with them for at least some of it. I'm not saying he couldn't have spent part of it with, with Hager, but he literally spent the entire fight with Hager. Yeah. Um, I also, my own one complaint that I'll uh, side with, uh, with JL beyond for this match was um, Santana Ortiz were the only people who went for pins through mo- much of the match. <laughs> right? Which was kind of freaking weird. And why would you arrest Sammy? And then was it maybe MJF went for a pin? I said for most of the match. Oh, okay. For most of it. MJF went for a pin towards the end. Um, but it was like Wardlow had Jake Hager down multiple times and just went to walk away from him. Well, yeah, I, that's because big dumb guy don't understand rules. And that's where that's is not a coming out party for him because he's not supposed to be big dumb guy not understanding rules. He's supposed to be big dumb smart guy. Yes. Anyway. If he had just grabbed one of these, he'd have been as cool as MJF was. Yes, <laughs> totally as cool as MJF. Anyway, no, I the only reason I say Miro and Miro and uh it just it was yeah, it it was and it was a very good match. It just it stunk like big dude versus big dude. And I don't typically talk that way, but <laughs> I usually I, like my big dude matches. I enjoyed most of that match. I Again, I when watching that match, there were legitimate times I thought Lance Archer was Lance Archer win. was going to win. Yeah, I did too. Um, and and I can say that about almost every of the matches tonight. There yeah. was only one match uh, that, that, aside from the Casino Battle Royal, right? Because nobody knows who's going to win that. There's that yeah. Really on that. Aside from that, there was only one of the the main matches that I really kind of felt like I knew who was going to win and was right on it. Um, and that was Omega. No, no. I mean, even Omega, I knew and I was right. But there were times during it that I thought, cripes, <laughs> Orange Cassidy might pull this out, especially towards the end. We'll talk about that match a lot later. I'm yeah. Um, there's we, we will have thoughts on that ending. Um, <laughs> but no, the, the one match that I was like, I, I think I know the ending. Um, and even then, I at times might have second thought myself was the Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker match. That was the only oh, one. There was, there were several times I thought Hikaru Shida was leaving with that title. There, there were some times I thought it, but like going into the match, I was like, Britt Baker's leaving. This is, this is the coronation of Britt Baker. That's all this was. Now, do, do I wish Hikaru Shida had won? I think Hikaru Shida deserved at least a week with live crowds defending the belt in front of live crowds defending the brand new belt that she just got awarded on Friday in front of the live crowds. No, what they need to do is peel that off of, off of Brit and be like, no, you haven't held it for a year. Yeah. That's what it takes yeah. to get this one. Yeah. You hold get the, you get the old little tiny one. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one you get for a year. And then this you is like the gold watch that, that you get when re- you retire. <laughs> 
So, so yeah, I, so, I don't know that there's any other matches we would even remotely consider. I I do not disagree with you there. I it's it's yeah. I mean, all the other matches were were stacked. You know, um, I I guess. I'm I'm gonna throw out one other match that might at least be worth talking about in worst match of the night. I don't really think it was worst match of the night, but Bucks. worth at least bringing up no, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. Oh geez, I thought that was okay. I thought it was I, it, I'm not not saying it was worst match of the night. I'm just saying it's at least worth bringing up here because, um, Cody. It has been known, had been shown recently to be the guy who helps put over young talent, right? Yeah. Um, and and while he made Anthony Agogo look good in this match, when I was watching it, I looked at my wife and I was like, there's no way Cody's losing this match. And I knew that right before the match started because I had a couple things that that suddenly dawned on me. Number one, they uh, had turned it over this last two weeks from Nightmare Factory versus Nightmare Family to British guy versus American guy. Right. And Cody then came out a couple weeks ago and said, I'll be fighting as the American dream that night because now it's British guy versus American guy. And Mm -hmm. I was like, there's no way that a pay-per-view being held in Florida in the United States on Memorial Day weekend is going to let the British guy win. And I was right. But that just makes it predictable. That doesn't make it a bad match. No, and and I'm not saying it. Yeah, yeah, there were no bad matches. There were no bad matches. There was no bad matches. However, this match, definitely at least, if we're saying... The uh, Miro versus Lance Archer match deserves to be talked about as worst match of the night. This match wasn't head and shoulders above that match. Well, no, no. Um, the 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 thing I I will give I will give Miro and Lance Archer. I think the issue with both of those matches is they're poorly poorly built storylines. Not bad storylines. They just haven't been built like the rest of them had been. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're mid-card storylines. Um, the other piece to the Cody stuff is you know that there's no more advancement for Cody. We know Cody cannot be the world champion. And I don't want to overinvest in the world championship, but I also don't want to underinvest in it. And a wrestler who cannot be the AEW champion is always a mid-carder. Yeah. That's where I I think I know what Cody was doing with the whole if I lose I'll never challenge for that belt uh thing 2 years ago. Um in the end though I think it was a a, a short-term thinking solution to a problem. Yeah, I, I I think he needed to be a contender and he could never win the title. You can easily do that. He just needed to be a contender. Uh, on the Miro Miro and Lance Archer um, it's sociopath, uh, versus sociopath. Um, okay. <laughs> well, and the thing with the mirror versus Lance Archer one is 
Until a month ago, Lance Archer was a heel. Yep. And, and then yeah. they did a really quick and yet not obvious face turn for him. Just like, yeah. oh, by the way, he's a good guy now. But he still yeah. comes out to everybody dies, his slogan. Which, <laughs> oh, that's such a face thing to come out to, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I say when I'm like, hey, friend. I'm like, everybody dies. Yeah, just so you know. Everybody dies. I said that to my daughter when she first was born. Just, <laughs> you know, everybody dies, baby. I did not say that to my daughter. Don't call CPS on us. Um, but so, um, and I think I think that played into both of these matches is is not just poorly built storyline, but short term built storyline. Yeah, and I like, think that was the part that played into them being poorly built. Is it? They, when, there wasn't a lot of time invested. When we're talking about Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker, that storyline's been building since Hikaru Shida won the belt a year ago, right? Yep. Uh, Sting and Darby Allen versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Been building since Ethan Page entered the company. Yep. Um, the uh, tag team, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus Young Bucks. Since Eddie, uh, since Young Bucks turned heel like a month and a half ago, it's been building, right? Um, but the the Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Gogo, the Miro versus Lance Archer one, they all just kind of got put together in the last, I don't know, couple weeks, three weeks maybe. And that's where it's a little, little tough there for me, right? Um, so I think all, both of those matches, and even I'll I'll give JLB the Stadium Stampede. All three of those matches, there are legitimate reasons to consider them maybe worst match of the night. Um, so I don't think we're going to have a consensus on worst match of the night overall. But but a, but a C is not you know it's not a failing grade either. So. No. I don't even think they're and, C's. I think they might be B minuses at worst. Yeah, you know? um, they were good matches. Just the it, it's the the encompassment of the whole um, series, I guess. So we will go ahead and move on to uh, worst, no, most predictable moment of the show. Um, and I think. There were predictable moments on this show. Uh, I mentioned Britt Baker winning over Hikarushita. Uh, <clears throat> as much as I, and I'm a Hikarushita fan, and I wanted her to win, but I did not see any way she was like, until the match came on. Yes, there were times during it that it looked like Hikarushita might pull it out, uh, which is a testament to the performance of both of these girls, right? But did I going into this night think there was any chance in hell they weren't putting that belt on Britt Baker? No. no. So for no. me, that's most predictable moment. Um, but you could say Kenny Omega winning was most predictable moment. You could... I, I would say um, the attack on Jericho's arm every time that MJF had the chance was most predictable. 
I, it, it had nothing to do with the outcome of the match. It was not. No, what what was not predictable was MJF not being involved in the finish. Okay. I thought that was an unpredicted moment. I I would have predicted MJF to be involved in the finish. I um, I almost wonder if we were talking about them trying to cut time. I almost wonder if the finish wasn't originally planned different. Um, I almost wonder if the finish was planned with MJF in the ring um, instead of Sean Spears. Sean Spears, maybe. But but they they did the chair spot that was, mm-hmm. you know, identical to the chair spot. Yeah, and so it obviously that Sean Spears was supposed to be in the ring as well. Like, I just kind of feel like there was prob there was more stuff planned for in the ring before the finish, and they're like, nope, let's just get get straight to the finish, you know. Anyway, but that's that's pure speculation on my part. It could have been that this was the planned finish. All I do have to say while we're talking about the finish of that, um, I said it months ago, and I got pushback from you guys on this. Uh, I'm gonna say it again. Because I still believe, uh, in my mind, uh, fucking Sammy Guevara's 6.30 is best in the game. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I know DA Fabe doesn't like that. DA Fabe's a I fan just, of Ricochet's face. I, I, I'm I, mean, I don't know. He's hurt himself. I'm terrified he's going to hurt himself. And Ricochet's is good. I don't want to. I don't know if about a best in the game, but certainly top five. Ricochet's best is in good. The world. I I just every time I see, every time I see Ricochet's do it do doing it, I don't think he's going to complete it. And I and I know that's where Da Fabe is going because he says, "Oh, I think he's going to hurt himself with it." Um, I think everybody like here's the deal: you're landing on another person on your back. I'd like you to have a little more control over that movement. Mm -hmm. And Sammy Guevara has the control over it. Sammy Guevara almost over-rotated tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, He lands flat on his back. There's not that moment where his head's about to hit. He gets all the way through there and lands flat on his back. It's a thing of beauty to me. Yeah. Um, And I know DFA is not as big of a Sammy Guevara mark as I am. Um, No. No, I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that Sammy Guevara is the is a future star. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's he's going to be a top mid carter in AEW for the rest of his life. That's really cool. I I see him being the Rey Mysterio winning the belt level. So anyway. I see you being wrong. Uh-huh. That's cool. <laughs> I see. You seeing, cheers, being seeing, you seeing. Um, um, I don't know what I was going with that, anyways. Uh, most predictable moment for you, JLB? Uh, I don't know. I would probably, I remember there being a predictable moment in the um. The The Young Bucks Super Kick City. No, I was kind of like going with like the fans at one point were chanting, This is bullshit. Um, 
And I think that is during the Kenny Omega match with the Don Callis thing. So maybe it's not so much predictable on AEW's part, but them kind of playing that storyline like, hey, yeah, it's no DQ is just kind of predictable in just the regular wrestling fashion and like AEW, what are you kind of doing? Like, I get they were telling a story because Omega and Callis are just hardcore heels and they'll do anything to win, but it's just going down that slippery slope of why we don't like WWE with certain finishes. Although they didn't finish it like that, it was still kind of uh, why even attempt anything with this. You know, so um, AEW for being predictable in the sense of what everyday WWE is um, with that move. I thought that was kind of annoying. I was like, guys, it, no. I, I get what you're saying. I disagree there for this reason. Um, if AEW, if WWE did it, it would have ended in either a disqualification where Kenny Omega walked out still the champion because of it. Um, or it would have been um, absolutely burying the other two people with it. And neither of those happened. Mm -hmm. That This was a, a classic heel finish to a match where the heels cheated to win, distracted the ref. Um, the Even so far as, as putting their hands on the ref, hurting the ref. Right. Um but uh but that's where I I kind of disagree on it because I think if WWE would have done it it would have been it would have been a schmoz finish, right? That's fair. Yeah. Um and and so trying to to put WWE uh you know uh, in the same closet with this um I I don't think. I like don't get me wrong, it it was predictable in this respect. I'll give you that because it's heels doing heel stuff to win. Right. Right. Um, Which, again, that's the whole classic heel thing to do anyways. It's not like WWE thought of that. It's been a wrestling thing since whatever. Yeah. But I was just so scared it was going that route. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, terrified they're kind of gonna start doing stupidity with that which is what made aew so good um that they don't do dq finishes you know see and i'm i'm of the mindset that they need to do a few i've been thinking about this a lot i talked about it a couple weeks ago or maybe it was a month or two ago i can't remember um aew has only done one dq in their entire almost three years existence well three years now existence right Mm -hmm. One time, it was uh, one of the falls in a uh, three-fall Iron Man match was uh, uh, Pat DQ. actually DQ doing again Kenny Omega. Um, mm -hmm. But it was not that was in the, in the tag team in the that was in the tag team with uh, with uh, Moxley. <laughs> no, it was yeah, it was a it wasn't tag in the team with was, Moxley. It was a three best of, two out of three falls. Him and Moxley were on a team against Omega and Hangman. No, it was it was a singles match. Are you because, sure? Yes, I'm 100 percent sure because he did that, so he got the advantage. I think it was. I'm almost positive it was against. Uh, 
I think it was that singles match with singles that. Match it was him and Omega. Omega. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am like nine. Okay. Well, then it also happened in that in that uh, Moxley match. Nope, that was not a DQ. The tag team. There wasn't a DQ, but oh no, he was pissed off because he thought Moxley was going to cost him the third fall with a DQ. Okay. Yep. Like I said, there's only been one DQ in all of the uh, AEW matches. But my point is, when you don't use a DQ every once in a while, it stops being uh, a threat, right? So when the referee comes and says, oh, you better stop that or I'll DQ you, you go, well, then do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when they're doing as much talking about uh, um, champions' advantages, they do. Mm-hmm. They need to use champions' advantage at some point, and they can use it and have have the guy have Khan or Cody come out and restart the match. Yeah, and that's my point. Is now I'm here's the deal. I understand their problem, their worry. They don't want to uh, get in the WWE habit of having DQs all the time and schmoz finishes all the time. Like that's one of the things we rail on WWE so much for is that all of them are. Yeah, it's the opposite of WWE. It's a hundred percent of it's, you can't so deeply not want to be WWE that you that you walk away from everything else. But I mean, they did have a roll up win tonight. So I suppose mm-hmm. I would say the other predictable thing again is, is super kick fest. Yeah. Um, and Moxley kicking out of it. was kind of predictable. Well, the V trigger though was pretty awesome. I didn't think they were going to actually get a win. Not the V trigger, but their little BTE triggers. Yeah. That's the it. Joint v triggers. And I didn't think Moxley was going to lose out of that. So I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I did. I did feel like they were, they were setting up for uh, the great heroic comeback from Moxley after getting hit by a bunch of those that he was going to somehow another kick out. And then he didn't. And I was like, "Eh." yeah, but I was not surprised that the young bucks retained. No, but the fact that they kept me guessing, the fact that they kept me guessing, though, was pretty sweet. Because I'm like, oh, Young Bucks is winning. And then I'm like, or are they? And then, you know, just a lot of back and forth. Yeah. Really fun match. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, those those are predictable. I mean, I guess you can say predictable moment. Uh, Number 21 was a surprise entrant in the Casino Battle Royal. But we didn't predict who. Uh, yeah, I would have never guessed Leo Rush. God, he looked great, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. for the minute cool. and a half he was in the match. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was shocking. I was, and someone random got him. out. Christian got him out. I was like, Christian, really? Yeah. Like, you gotta get out Leo Rush. Like, why? What's the point, bro? Like, instantaneously, well, I want Leo Rush versus Mac or Pac. <laughs> instantaneously I want that I can think of probably half a dozen AEW wrestlers that I really want to see in a good match versus Leo Rush right away um, for Leo sure. Rush versus Jungle Boy 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Put that in my veins. Of <laughs> heck, Leo Rush versus Marco Stunt would could be a, a absolute banger of a match. Little tiny Marco Stunt looking even tinier next to Leo Rush. Because <laughs> <laughs> Leo Rush ain't a big guy, man. No. Suddenly no. here's tiny Marco Stunt, and you're like, whoa, Leo Rush is a giant. <laughs> um but so but that's my point is is we couldn't have predicted none of us could have predicted Leo Rush for that. Um I I guess I, the other the other predictable thing might have been Christian coming back and I want a title shot when you win that title. Yeah. That I you know, I mean, I guess predictable moment in the Casino Battle Royal. Someone uh, gets thrown out but not over the top rope and hangs out on the outside for a while and then surprise comes back in. Just not at the finish this time. It was earlier uh, in the case of Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, but Yeah, Hobbs was out there for a while and so was Christian technically. Mm-hmm. Christian, not as long as Hobbs, but I was yeah. like, guys, what are you doing? And then I was scared they were pulling a Randy Orton for Matt at the beginning when Matt got hurt. I'm like, oh God, Matt's winning because he's going to come in at the end kind of thing well and the the matt hardy thing was one of those things that um i think helped set up the uh the overall for the the night with um him promising private party that he would reduce the cut that he takes from them if they helped him win um made me really think you know matt hardy might have a shot at winning this for that storyline uh which i wouldn't have thought Matt Hardy had a try- chance of winning this without that storyline. Um, but happy that Jungle Boy won. That's going to be an interesting Jungle Boy versus Kenny Omega match down the road. But the only downside is I, I don't see Jungle Boy beating Kenny Omega right now. Well, this doesn't have to be right now anyway. My apologies. It doesn't have to be right now anyways, though. Um, you know, it's can be gets a future title shot, so it can be, you know, during when Mox, uh, when Kenny Omega is in the downhill when he loses all the other titles, and then Jungle Boy ultimately makes him lose the AEW. Yes, and no, um, because they they are very careful to word this. This isn't a money in the bank like briefcase that he can cash in at any time. They specifically say it makes him number one contender. Oh, stop. So, yeah. um, so, so next Friday, coming. probably <laughs> not next Friday, but the match is coming sometime within the next month or so. I would say, probably before the next pay per view, definitely. I like how they are setting up that uh, whole Friday thing. So they're doing a bunch of Friday night dynamites, so you can kind of get ready for the Friday night that's going to be the rampage, and realize that there's wrestling on Fridays for TNT. So. I yeah. thought that was they, a. There have been wrestling on Fridays for a long time, man. Where you been? There okay. has. I meant for TNT. Yeah. Good wrestling. <laughs> oh, I didn't say good wrestling. Oh, okay. just wrestling. Okay. I mean, it's absolutely head of the table wrestling. Where have you been? Oh wow! But I, I will say this: it's better <laughs> than what they're putting on Monday night. It's about true. Like it. True. Anyway, next so category. we will go ahead. We don't we don't have a consensus on most predictable, but we got some predictable moments. So we will move to botch of the night. I I got nothing. 
I don't I don't really remember anything that was a full on botch. Oh, there I'm trying, there to, remember, trying to remember who it was setting up the move. They had the other person between their legs. Gosh dang it, there was a botch. I can't remember what it was. It was in it was in the Cody match. Which would make sense. Botch of the night is the commentators just constantly saying that a go-go oh. has visual disability like 5,000 times. He, he could see he, he lost 70% of his vision. and da, da, da. I'm like, guys, why are you over-announcing this? So is he going to win and he's overcoming his disability? Or is Kony going to look like a douche because he's beating a guy with 70% of his vision diminished? Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> no, I... I... So obviously there are a boatload of memes and mean things in the political atmosphere about our current president uh, in the United States, Joe Biden. Literally, um, JR sounded like a Joe Biden meme the entire night. Confused, lost. It was bad. Didn't know Um, where Bach was from. Said it was from Wales. Yeah, it it was just the the whole the whole night. Jr. was confused a lot, um, and I'm and maybe not confused, but he's not processing all the information at one time. Yeah. So much so that he's like, "Thanks for putting me on blast on air to to uh, Excalibur." Excalibur, um, dude, we were all putting you on blast at home. <laughs> you are you are the worst part of the announce team. And he did it so politely, too. He was like, JR, I don't mean to say anything, but uh, he's actually not from here. He's from there. And he's like, thanks for putting me on blast. He's like, well, I just wanted you to know so people don't put you on blast on Twitter. You know? So he kind of had like a thing. I'm like, good. It's not like Justin (laughs) Robert said it like 10 minutes earlier. (laughs) Hailing from Newcastle upon Tyne. (laughs) He's a bastard. Pack. Just uh, yeah, J- Jr. is. Uh, I've I've said this since AEW started uh, that as much as I love hearing Jr. on commentary, uh, he is the weak link on that commentary team, and he really needs to. Uh, I mean, the the hard part with it is now we're watching Michael Jordan play for the Wizards. Like you're not the goat right now. Um, he's the greatest wrestling announcer of all time, and he has the credentials to show it. He's not even close to the greatest in the game right now. Mm-hmm. He's really far from the greatest in the game right now. Mm-hmm. He's better than if I were to sit at the announce table. Yeah, yeah, you're really bad at intros. Absolutely. They can't ever remember which British town packs from. I can't. I would almost need something like notes in front of me before I said something like that. Like I don't know, little computer monitors or or notepads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got a I've got a botch of the night that's not directly related to wrestling. Um, we we gave. Uh, WWE a lot of crap for this during the move to Peacock. Um, that Peacock did not have pause function. For Neither did AEW. 
And AEW did not have it on uh, BR Live here. I don't know if they did in, in other places, but on the BR Live through the Android TV app I was watching on, BR Live that uh, DFA was watching on, no pause, no... Nope. No back, no... No nope. rewind, no, no fast forward through commercials or whatever, nothing. Which nope. um, when when you're a family person with a, in my case, a three-year-old who needs to be put to bed at some point, um, not having a pause button means you miss something. Yep. And yep. We, we, we were pretty vicious against Peacock for it, and it's only fair that we bring up, be our live, step your game up. There's no <laughs> reason in this day and age of streaming that there's not a pause function for your live stream event, right? I feel like they usually do, though. No, this might have just been a mishap. Um, it might have been. It might have been something they changed. I can't remember last time. It's it's the downside with the um, the events being three months apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't remember whether there was pause last time or not. Um, I feel like there was, and so the fact that there wasn't this time, but either way, we put WWE and Peacock on blast. We it's only fair for us to blast AEW and and uh, be our live for this. There's no reason, no excuse in 2021 for your live stream of any sporting event to not have pause and rewind function. Period. Straight up. Um, and then by association, fast forward function to help you get caught back up again. Right. I will say this was an active enough show that it would have been very hard to get caught back up. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, it, it would have introductions been- would have been the only spot to do it. Introductions. There were a few promo packages that you could have caught back up. Because, there were few and far between, though. But there weren't a lot, so you're right. There weren't <laughs> a lot of them. But not having that option at all meant um, at the end of the, I believe it was the Miro versus Lance Archer match, I had to take a three-year-old up and put her to bed. And that means I missed the start of the Hikaru Shida versus um, Britt Baker match. Which means I missed Hikaru Shida's entrance and so I got down and I was really confused at first because I didn't see the typical Hikarushita red and black uh, outfit. She had a new ring gear this and mm-hmm. I was confused for a moment. Who's that? Yes, guy? you were. Who is that? Oh, that's Hikarushita. Oh, it's Hikarushita. Yep. But, uh, so that's my botch of the night. Fair enough. Step up your game, BR Live. So. Yeah, well, I'll just go with that. I can't honestly remember any botches. That that's the deal. I I in terms of the actual in ring, I just don't remember any. And maybe maybe if I would have sat and take notes and stuff, but I wanted to enjoy this, so I didn't want a tablet of paper in front of me the entire night. So we will go ahead and move on to over. Oh, 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 you maybe, had a botch. Maybe. Maybe a tad little botch when they threw the snake bag. I thought oh. that was silly. <laughs> silly I, I, thought yeah. it was, I thought it was implied animal abuse. Um, <laughs> we know it wasn't animal abuse, but I know 
it, it was implied animal abuse. Right. So, well, at first I thought I thought he said that I thought he was shaking it like this because like, oh, it's not a snake in there, and then he goes and throws it, and all the commentators were like, oh my god, like what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, so there is a snake. I was kind of stupid, but you know, whatever. Well, in fairness, in America today, one of the uh, easiest ways to get the public to hate you is uh abuse an animal abuse an animal right it's the whole reason like everyone in society was totally fine with john wick killing a hundred people um no joke (laughs) they hurt his dog yeah it's not that his wife died or anything they hurt his dog (laughs) fuck them all that's valid John Wick would have not have worked in 2000. Um, I think no, it might have. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it probably would have because here's the deal is Americans always have have uh, shown a lot more empathy towards animals than they do towards other people a lot of the time. But, that's that's because yeah. people are dicks. No. no. Yeah. That, that would have been a very different Doors <laughs> song, though. People are dicks. I mean, <laughs> They're dicks. When they're, people are dicks, just, when you're they're alone, just dicks. they're just dicks. The dicks. People are dicks. dicks. Oh, when you're a dick, when you're dick. <laughs> well, where's this going? You need to just go ahead. And, when you're dick, what? Yeah, that's that's all I got, man. So we're moving on to overhype of the night. This one's also a tough one, if you ask me, because. I don't I don't know which match I would say was over. I mean, I guess maybe Stadium Stampede was overhyped because it was yep. a Stadium Stampede match. Um <coughs> I don't know what else I would I mean, uh maybe the Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo match was a bit of an overhype because Oh, I mean, the, that promo things. just takes the cake of overhype. Right away when Cody Rose did his pro-American promo, bringing back that, I'm like, oh, God, bro, no matter what happens in this match, you've ruined it with this cheesy, stupid promo. Not because it's pro-American or anything. It's just it was so cheesy. It was like, bro, come on. Like, when you're a dick. (laughs) Going to have to design that as a (laughs) T-shirt. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I could agree with both of those. Uh, I, I do feel like, I don't know, I kind of feel like the lack of impact performers is probably the, <laughs> the overhype of the night, but it's it's overhyped the wrong direction. It's like underhyped. Like, impact is in a feud I don't know. Is it just Kenny? Like, is that is? Are we legit? That's just Kenny. Good like, brothers. Just anything. Good brothers. Yeah. Kenny. So far, just that's the elite. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like uh, I feel like there's not enough there. Yeah, like, you need some kind of invasion angle to happen, yeah, and I, I hope agree. That's I, uh, Chris Jericho on his podcast, or maybe it was on an interview, explained their reasoning behind it. And a lot of it just simply came down to when you're the big dog, you don't gain anything by inviting the little dog onto your show. The little dog gains a lot by inviting the big dog onto their show. So impact gains more 
because they're the little dog, despite having been here for almost 20 years. But uh, you just but... took their championship. Mm-hmm. No, like, I, I would, if I were them, I would have had Moose show up um, since he is the next in line uh, to challenge for that. I would have had Moose show up, even just have him in the in the stands. You know what yep. I mean? Just like, I'm, I'm scouting you. Oh, yep. by the way, that crazy, this might even be put into the botch, that botch that happened where the person got thrown over the rails the first time, not the Darby Allen one, but the one before. Were those yeah. legit fans? Oh, I'm 900% certain that those were plants. Okay. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was during the Miro match. Uh, yeah, and and sure. here here's the reason I think I'm fairly certain is uh, they focused on them in the crowd before the uh, the Lance Archer was thrown over. Miro and them standing there, and they made sure to to frame them going boo boo. Which what real fan does the double thumbs down? Right, I see it in the Thunderdome. Uh, because there, there are there are rules in the Thunderdome. Real fans go boo. <laughs> We're gonna get censored for that, I think. <laughs> fuck yeah, we will. Yeah, fuck yeah. And so, um, that's part of why. But even more specifically, just that they they almost highlighted. Look at these fans right behind them. Yeah. Um. And then Miro threw Lance Archer into them. Uh, they also were all of them well-built men. That wasn't like man, woman, teenage boy, you know, whatever there. It was just a row of men, well-built men. Men uh, that were fairly stacked, yeah. And then here's the other reason. I think this was the biggest reason. I'm 900% certain that they were all, they were plants there is they stayed down selling it for the entirety of when the cameras were on it. They literally oh, just really? like, oh, 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 okay. Oh. Well, yeah, they just had a Lance Archer thrown at them. Yeah, but they weren't rolling around. They weren't going, oh, oh, this hurt. They were just like literally just laying still. Like they were like out. They were, like they were dead. Um and yeah. and that's the sort of thing that you tell uh, Nightmare Factory, you know, trainee, say, hey, sit in the front row. They're going to throw Lance Archer onto you. But you need to make sure once Lance Archer's there, you're not taking any of the attention away from him. Just lay there until the cameras are off. Um, so. Fair. But, yeah. But so. But that's another thing. They did go to that well twice. The throw throw the wrestler into the crowd thing twice in one night, and I think that's a, the sort of thing that works better sparingly. Do it once, pick your time. If you want to waste it on the Miro versus Lance Archer one, use it there, but then don't go to it again. Or you know, a couple matches later during Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page versus Sting and Darby Allen. Um, I personally would have not done it in the Lance Archer versus Miro match and saved it for Ethan Page yeeting Darby Allen out of the ring. Um, which I am sure we will talk about in moments. 
at some point. So yes, um, we will move on to worst performance of the night. Ooh, um, I'm gonna say something unpopular. Uh, and and it's again not that it was a bad performance. Um, but I'm gonna say that Moxley is the worst performance of the night. Do this is this is the guy who was most recently the last person to hold the AEW championship, and he lost. Or maybe maybe it's Eddie Kingston. Or Eddie, is it Eddie Kingston that was his partner? Eddie, yeah, yeah Kingston, yeah. Maybe it's Eddie Kingston that was the bad part. Um, just as a whole, you know, you know, the young bucks are going to super kick you. So I'm I'm buying into kayfabe here, and by buying into kayfabe, I just don't see Moxley getting his ass handed to him the way he did. I, I would probably agree with Moxley, too. Just that whole Hulkster moment, too, was kind of cool, but it was also like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't necessarily disagree overall. I understand what they were telling with it. What they, what they wanted to tell was a stone-cold uh, pass-out moment with him. Right, yeah. Right. That's the storyline that they were trying to do. Um. But because the Young Bucks don't do submissions, well, they do, but they're not known for them. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have that. And that's where they kind of fell apart there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I, I did not... I did not at almost any point during that think that Moxley and Eddie Kingston were actually going to win. There were a couple points where I was like, "Oh, they might pull out a victory," but I doubt it. Ed, Eddie Kingston looks like the, looked like the weakest link. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Like, I don't know where they're going with that. I guess isn't theoretically Eddie Kingston a impact guy? So maybe I'm a little bit wrong there. No, he's he was a he was a free agent that came. He. Oh, okay. uh, had some time in a short stint in WWE a long time ago, I think, and okay. um, and everything. I hear the story with Eddie Kingston was at the start of the pandemic, he was just an independent wrestler, and because he lost so many bookings to start the pandemic, he literally sold his ring gear to pay his bills. Um, oh. And so when they brought him in and signed him to a contract, I mean, he was literally on the verge of destitution so uh, had to buy all new stuff which plays into the whole storyline of him stealing the Dior shoes and selling them or whatever except he didn't sell them Um, but no I I understand the story they were telling with Moxley I just don't think they told it well yeah I think it was an underperformance like I suppose you could say some of the guys in the battle royal again when you have twenty one competitors, it's easy to say that. Uh, yeah. But I just, I, I, I just four months ago you were the AEW champion. Yeah. yeah Tonight I, uh, you were kind of a bitch. 
I, I will put a different worst performance of the night out there just because I know it'll get JLB's dander up when I say this. Um, but fucking Max Caster's uh, entrance performance. Oh, I'll say it for him. God. Fuck you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> However, his his call out on Dustin was weak as shit. What was it again? His call out on Dustin. Yeah, I know. I heard what you it said. Was, what was no. it again? <laughs> He's just like, dude, you're old. Well, no shit. Oh, come on, that Christian one though. Over the, the edge, Christian one was, was like... lights out. The Christian <laughs> one was lights out. But the Dustin one was like, so you're just gonna start shit with the other four guys right now? Like, For sure. Uh, my problem is most of his entrance ones uh, have the most rudimentary rhyming structure. And if you're trying to play off that you're a, a rapper, a professional style rapper, you can't just do A-B rhyming on all of them. But sure it's battling. Of course you can. It's battle. It's like a battle yeah. rap. No, because even battle ro- battle raps don't get deeper than AB rhyming structure. Battle Royale rap. Battle Royale rap. I mean, I literally, you know, even even the cheesiest celebrity battle rap uh, TV shows, they do better than just AB rhyming structure. Bro, he doesn't have a lot of time here. He can't go crazy with it. So he could give you bar after bar, and then it's going to link wait, that wait, wait. bar. Hold with on. The first one. What do you mean he doesn't have a lot of time? You really think that they just drew those just moments before those cards? No, I'm saying he can't be like crazy. All right, I'm gonna drop him some knowledge. I guarantee you, I'm gonna need did, sixteen bars. I'm gu- guarantee you, if he did better rhyming structure, he could have gotten all of those insults out in a faster time than he did. Because here's what here's how he delivers them now. He goes, "Yo, yo, 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 Dustin, Dustin, you're old." And your body's a racket. You should just hang it up. And and here's your bag. You can pack it. Yo, yo, yo. Oh, yo. John Dude. Cena did the same thing. Stop and it, it was and it was shitty when John Cena did it. But the difference it was, was he did it first. And A, he did it first. And B, it being shitty was kind of the thing with John Cena. That was kind of the joke is he was a white rapper, you know, in a time when when we wanted to vilify white rappers. Um, we still kind of do, but that's a different thing altogether. <laughs> um, I I literally like there's one out of all of the times Max Caster has done his thing, there's only been like one or two that I've actually enjoyed. All the other ones, I'm like, God. Get a bet. Um, I hope one of them you enjoyed was the Moxley one, where he's saying Renee give him head or something. Um, I can't I even know. remember it now, but so that good. that plays into it. Is they they're not memorable long term. It's just he comes oh. out, he, he goes, yo, yo, yeah, yo. I, I, I there, his still... videos are his videos and, are though the YouTube ones, oh, and that's what classy. here's the deal is. I know he can do better rhyming because I've seen his YouTube videos. So pre-write it. So write it out and be better. That's all I'm saying. Worst performance of the night. That rap diss track was was whack. This is a white boy saying that. Whack. I I still remember Moxley's promo on or not Moxley, Jesus. Um Cena's promo on Brock Lesnar 
when he lost against Brock Lesnar for the title when he was still the rap rap artist. So none of Max Caster's are memorable long term. So so that's why it's my worst performance of the night. But if we are done, we will move on. Yeah. yeah. Move on to, to worst move. Worst move. move. This is gonna go to Kenny Omega roll up win. You're fucking Kenny Omega. You are fucking Kenny Omega. And this is how you're gonna get your win is a is a crucifix roll up on Orange Cassidy. You're chicken shit heel Kenny Omega. To me, that makes sense. Um then use the belt and hit him with the belt. Well, he used the belt and hit pack with all four belts already. Yeah, that was great. No, that was earlier. That was later that he did that. But yeah. No, it was during the match right before the pin, roll up pin. Oh, I, thought pack, right after. I thought it was right after. Nope. It, 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 that was the deal. It's he hit pack with all of those and uh, had lost track of, of Orange Cassidy. And when he thought he was done uh, doing all of that, Orange Cassidy came in, hit him with the orange punch, um, and then tried to tried to pin him. And then it was a it was a reversal roll up, is what it was. To, yeah. to which, in my opinion, that's also a reversal, which is different than just a simple roll up. But I'm I actually have have beef with the uh, the hatred the internet wrestling community has against the surprise roll up overall. I think it gets undue hate. Yes, it's overused, but I think it's a legitimate way to win a match. So um, when used right, it can be okay. Um, worst move for me, um, and this is, is going to be me using the word move. Uh, uh, worst move for me was putting the Serena Deeb versus uh, Riho match on the kickoff show. And not on the main card because that was a fucking fire match, and I know neither of you probably watched it. So no, wasn't there in time. And that's that's my point. There, you put this fire match. A, a frankly, uh, the especially Miro when you're trying to build a women's match or women's division right now. Yep. Well, and Miro versus Lance Archer and Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo, in my mind, both were more worthy of being on the kickoff show. Than Riho versus Serena Deeb. Um, that match was really good. It helped remind us that, you know, a little over a year and a half ago, Riho was the women's champion, right? And we've kind of forgot about her because for the longest time she couldn't get over here because, you know, COVID. Um, hmm. But it was... Uh, it was a good match. So to me, worst move was not putting that on the main show. So, JLB, yeah, I gotta watch that. Thoughts? Um, it's free on YouTube. So, yeah. Oh, fair enough. Nice. Um, you, okay. Worst move. Just I, I was refer. I thought you meant like a wrestling move, but you just. I, that's why I said I used the play on words with it. Okay. Fair. Um, Worst no, fair enough. Most uh, most people put it on wrestling, but for me, <laughs> you just gotta be different, huh? I uh 
I'm just teasing. Um, I, I didn't see many other moves tonight that like deserve to be worst. No, that's valid. I guess I'll just go with the pin, the roll-up pin. I thought I mean, I don't know what else to choose, to be honest with you. I mean, the worst move is doing... No, you know what? Fine. The worst move is doing another Canadian... Uh, not a Canadian stampede, but a stadium stampede. Ooh. Really didn't need another one. I feel like almost Blood and Guts might have been better. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Blood and Guts is probably the location to quit that. I just... I went with physical move on the night, so... Yeah. Um... I get what you're saying. To, uh, frankly, for me, um, I understand what they were doing with the Stadium Stampede, but when you've got the Blood and Guts match, that really should be the payoff match, too. Because now, too, okay, so you make Inner Circle win. Cool story. They're, so they're still together. This also makes the Pinnacle not hardcore anymore and not a crazy heel team. I get they can maybe overcome it because MJF will just say some stupidities and we'll all be convinced. But like, kind of the no. perfect timing to break them up. I I think I think the the play here is Sean Spears is out of the pinnacle. Yeah. That's what I think the play is, is that Sean Spears, you embarrassed us. You took the pin, and it was your perhaps Holy Blanchard's the one who kicks him out. I mean, that's a possibility too. So, Ooh. yep. Um. What and, did the and, pinnacle lose out of this, though? Was that what was the nothing? Uh, nothing? Oh. No, they, there was, yeah, just pride. They didn't have a stipulation on the pinnacle at all. It was just on. And, oh, and it, it no came. Fun. It came by this way. Chris Jericho challenged him to a stadium stampede. MJF said, "Fine, we'll accept your stadium stampede on these terms. If we win, your team breaks up." And so. Um, but no, I like I agree the the blood and guts match really needs to be the payoff to a feud, you know, mm-hmm. and the fact that the feud continued after. Um, but I also understand the stadium stampede started at double or nothing a year ago. They felt like it made a lot of sense for them to do it again here. It also did all help them um cover up for the fact that Chris Jericho is legitimately injured and can't do a full met wrestling match right now. No. Like a real back and forth. He they had nope. to kind of protect him there. I was a little surprised that there wasn't um some more surprises in the stadium stampede. Like that's the time for yeah we had uh um Conan show up. We had the bikers show up. You know, we had all that. But that's the time if you if you had a wrestler, the Jaguars. Yeah, some of the members <laughs> of the like coach Tony Khan's dad is Tony a cutout. Is a cutout. Yeah, shotgun. <laughs> um, but that's the time if you had a wrestler waiting in the wings, uh, to debut. Having them show up during the stadium stampede is is a good moment, as good a moment as any. Um, or having him show up right after and challenge Kenny Omega would have been a good moment there too. Um, but they didn't. I think all in all, you know, I I was 
if there's one thing I was disappointed with tonight overall is they made a big deal in interviews talking about how they they think they still had some surprises up their sleeves for double or nothing. And there really weren't any real surprises. Like Leo Rush. Kind of a surprise, but nothing, you know, overly crazy. I'd have liked to have seen some type of title title pursuit show uh, storyline start to be sold. Um, it didn't happen though. So well, you know, there's there's something that the the old old school wrestling, both WWE and WCW, did a lot was the person who was uh, the number one contender would watch the matches of the title holder scouting them right so this would have been a perfect time to have jungle boy come out and sit front row during the kenny omega match at the end right um because he's scouting kenny omega because he's now the number one contender he won that in the battle Royale. yeah yeah um that could have been a nice little storyline set up for something but they did anyways uh we will go ahead and move on to the last of the worst worst moment of the night don fucking callous <laughs> yeah just all of him I was just, I was pissed off. I, here's the deal. I am investing in these storylines. I am emotionally invested uh, in, 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 a, in a title change. I've said it for a while. Um, I am tired of legitimacy being given to titles because of title reigns. No, legitimacy is given to titles because of great performances. You can put that title on Orange Cassidy tonight, have him lose in a week in a one-on-one mm-hmm. match, and and it does not hurt the title in the least, and it boosts Orange Cassidy as an opportunist. Edge freaking had numerous times where he won the title as an opportunist and avoided losing the title as an opportunist. I'm going to find this way to not lose the title. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and, and tonight, having Don Callis play the way Don Callis played hurt them. It also is a really good way to let Kenny go do some full-time stuff with impact. If you have Pac say, well, I was actually the one who beat Kenny Omega. I was the one who did the move. I went in on this rematch on Friday and gets a whole bunch of people tuning in on the first time you're on Friday, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it, it spells a whole bunch of really good stuff to do that. And again, you can take the title off of Orange Cassidy. You've boosted Orange Cassidy a little bit. You can take the title off of, off of him by giving it to Pac. You've still boosted Orange Cassidy. Now you have Pac there. Now you have a believable Jungle Boy win. You can easily have Kenny Omega come back and say, I ain't doing one of these two-on-one matches again. I'll do mine one-on-one um, and, and win the title in a month and a half, and it doesn't hurt anything. And then he's the first two-time AEW champion, and oh my gosh, who better for that than Kenny Omega? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Don Callis. Damn. I, 
I'm gonna go in the same segment, but it's not Don Callis. It's Aubrey Edwards for like apparently just hanging out backstage after watching her co-worker get pummeled by Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. And then just ha- hanging out backstage long enough for Kenny Omega to just smack the shit out of Pac over and over with the belt and only show up after that to try to count Orange Cassidy's pin. Like, Yeah, I'll give you that. Here's the deal, right? They've already said multiple times in a triple threat match, there's no DQ, right? So there's no reason to not have Aubrey Edwards come out right away and watch Kenny Omega use the belts, right? right? You can't do anything. Not to mention, you're the head referee. Yeah. So yeah, you should come out immediately yep. the time one of your staff members gets injured. Yep. And come out and admonish Kenny Omega. Be like, ah, you shouldn't do that. And then stand there looking helpless as he hits pack with belt after belt after belt, knowing you can't <laughs> stop it. And then when Orange Cassidy comes in and does You're in his, position to make the pin call. Yep, you're in position to make the call. And it can be a two count just like it ended up being, and everything's fine. Um, but instead, she just hung around backstage. Just, oh, oh, somebody's trying to do a pin and the referee's down? What? Yeah. What, oh, my staff is injured? Yeah. Jeez, better run think, in right now. I think you guys are just being a bit harsh. Just to add I'm suspense, not. clearly. Well, I know. I get it. I just think it's bad storytelling. Um, that being said, I also want to point out, we said at the beginning that we would have to make some stretches for the bad because there was not much bad with this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So we no. have to. The the stuff that's genuinely bad about this is poorly um poorly developed storylines on a short term it's not like the storylines don't work. They work. It's just you you made a six chapter book into a into a, a one chapter book. <coughs> yeah, well I mean they've book. had and that's the messed up thing. They've had time to build it. It's not like they don't. They don't have a pay-per-view every month. They have a pay-per-view like every three months. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think there was one storyline that I was directly really invested in. Um, aside from, like, not even invested, but I just wanted to really see that happen with uh, the, the investment maybe with Mox and Kingston as a tag team, but not necessarily Mox and Kingston versus Bucks. Yeah, I was invested in the Hikaru Shida match. Uh, I was really invested in the Orange Cassidy and and Omega and Pac match. I wasn't. They all hold wins over each other. That's the big part is they all hold wins over each other. And maybe this is the problem that comes into play with the whole ranking system. Because you kind of maybe don't feel you need to tell a story because, hey, first contender is facing uh, the champion. So here we go. That's why they're facing each other. I mean, yeah, but they didn't have the number one contenders go after the titles tonight. Off after the tag titles tonight. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm gonna Moxley use my catchphrase and no, say those were the that, number but... threes. Those were the number threes. The number two team in the tag division 
was um, Scorpio Sky, and they they said it during the match. Scorpio oh, Sky and Ethan Page are the number two team in the tag division. Now they lost, but they were the number two team in the tag division. Um, which means they were only behind the Bucks. So number two wasn't taken on number one. Oh, okay. Valid. They don't always do number two versus number one. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's a valid point. So, um, yes. Let's see. Most recent rankings they had up uh, have up on their website. Um, yes, we had uh, number one and number two Orange Cassidy and Pac going up against uh, Kenny Omega. But uh, Lance Archer is not even on the list of top five. (coughs) And he took on Miro, the TNT champion. So that wasn't based on rankings. Yes, Britt Baker went against Hikaru Shida. She's the number one. Number two. One and two, yep. Well, yeah. Number one meaning the... Hikaru Shida's champion. She's the number one contender. Yeah. Um, Britt was number two. But, in, the uh, in in terms of uh, like the tag uh, teams, like DFA was saying, number one contenders. Number one uh, was Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman, and they were in the Casino Battle Royal, the Varsity Blondes. Number two contender is Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, who were in the match. Uh, versus with an unranked with an unranked team. Yes, number three is actually the acclaimed who were also in the Casino Battle Royal. Hmm. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston are actually number four on the rankings. Um, so they they don't. That's why I was saying. I'm I'm using my catchphrase. You say that, but. They don't stick to the rankings very much. They really don't. In fact, that might be a big knock against AEW that they made this big deal about rankings, wins and losses are going to matter. And then in the end, you know, uh, it also matter. Yeah. Well, in the end, we've got Jungle Boy, who's now the number one contender, and he wasn't even in the top five. But that's the whole beauty about the casino royale. That is. But that's my point is he's now the number one contender, but he has a worse record than five other people, at least. Right? Right. Um, Yeah. And so so they're not playing by the records there. You know, by all accounts here, uh, now that uh, Britt Baker is the champion, by all accounts, the number one contender... Should be Thunder Rosa as um, the person who's beat her. Mm-hmm. Well, her as the two... person who beat her, she's also number two in the rankings right now. So she should be the one who's next up to bat. But if she is, I actually would. I actually expect we're going to see um, Jade Cargill, Tay Conti, and maybe even Red Velvet hopscotch up and and do feuds over the belt before we see Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa. Yeah. Um, I there's actually reasons to to suspect that we might not see Thunder Rosa in an AEW ring for much longer um because she is an NWA contracted wrestler. Um and the only reason apparently that she was showing up on AEW is NWA was like, "Hey, because of the pandemic, we're not recording 
right now. So we'll let you wrestle there to keep our name out, to keep working and all that stuff. Um, but now NWA is back up and running. Uh, until her contract is up, they might say, hey, come back and keep re- and wrestle for us now. Um, mm-hmm. They also might say to Serena Deeb, who's the current NWA world title, uh, hey, you need to drop that to Thunder Rosa and come back because you are not an NWA contracted wrestler. True. Yeah, very valid. Fun fact that somehow or another, I my brain didn't remember on this, but Serena Deeb was the uh, shaved head straight edge yep. from CM Punk's uh, straight edge yep. society. Serena. Mm-hmm. I just somehow or another didn't remember that. Her hair grew back well. Maybe that's why. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyways, so that those are my worst moments. We're going to move on to bests now because bests are where we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Best moment of the night overall. Sting in a ring, wrestling, winning. To me, best moment of the night. I'm going to get more specific on that. I deeply enjoyed two people being held in submission maneuvers that were not the two legal people or that were the two legal people in the ring and the people performing the submission maneuvers were not legal. Yeah, that was awesome. And so those two started slapping each other and gouging each other's eyes. I deeply enjoyed that little piece of that segment. And then um, Aubrey realizing it and saying, hey, guys, stop with this and, maneuver. And <laughs> pushing Sting and Scorpio off. <laughs> Good job. There was Aubrey. so much I enjoyed about that match. I Don't get me wrong. In, like, Dave Meltzer's not going to give that seven stars. Um, but there's so much I enjoyed about it. Uh, Sting took real bumps. Uh, I held my breath during the first one, the the, the suplex, suplex on the ramp on the ramp from Scorpio Sky. No, from Ethan Page. Ethan yep. Page. Um. Anyways, I literally held my breath. I was like, and Sting just popped right back up from that. Um, I absolutely marked out. And this is the weirdest thing, but it's it slightly bugged me as as a Sting fan. That ever since he came back, every time you've seen him, he wears a T-shirt. He's been wearing that baggy, baggy Sting T-shirt, and I absolutely marked out when he pulled that off, um, yes. and was just in his regular Sting uh, singlet. Um, yeah, and um, him winning with the Scorpio Scorpion Death Draw on Scorpio Sky. Um, oh, Jr.'s stupid comment. Oh, Scorpion, Scorpio. Like he was just making a correlation, yeah. and I was just like, "Okay, Jr., calm the fuck down." Well, the only way, the only reason I don't give Jr. too much crap over that is Scorpio Sky has made it uh, abundantly clear that uh, that Sting was one of the reasons he wanted to become a wrestler in the first place. Mm-hmm. So him choosing the name Scorpio Sky very well could have been as homage to Sting. The Scorpion Sting. What? That's what? not his real name? <laughs> Wrestlers have fake names? There's a TikTok I've been following. Hold on. That his whole, his whole thing is finding out that wrestlers aren't real names isn't what they wrestle by. It's pretty funny. 
So that's me. Best moment of the night. You you could take your pick out of moments in that, but just the whole thing, the pop the crowd had for Sting wrestling and then winning mm-hmm. uh, was great, was perfect. Um, I don't think it hurt Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky in the, no. the least. Um, in fact, they both looked like rock stars in the match. I, I do have to give them a ton of credit. I mean, uh, Ethan Page yeeting Darby Allen across the gap into the crowd from <laughs> from the ring. Like I I knew Ethan Page is a strong guy because you know he's a professional wrestler. He takes good care of his body. You know yada yada yada. Um, I didn't know he had the strength to just chuck a guy eight feet in the air. Yeah, you got to give some of that to Darby too, though. I felt like he almost pushed himself a little bit more, too. <laughs> although he was being thrown. It was. Yeah, it was a gorilla press throw. There wasn't much Darby it's could true. do to push. So that's true. Yep. He pulled himself a little bit um, when during the throw because he grabbed the, the the rope and pushed off. It's not a lot, but it was something to help. So hmm. but, I'm sorry, I have to stand up. I'm very very tired tonight, so I have to keep moving. Please meet you very very tired tonight. I'm Kate. <laughs> Officer Mark Smarks. <laughs> I just had to laugh because I'm a dad and I play dad jokes. Um, so we're at best moment. Best moment. You can, if you look at the screen, you can see the little ticker going across it. Fair. Yep. Um, my best moment probably, honestly, would have to be the um, just Miro looking overly dominant. I thought that was just great, great for him. I was happy for him. He looked extremely strong and just seeing what the future of Miro holds. I was kind of a really compelling story with how they're building him up. So I think that's kind of my best moment, to be honest with you. I also, there's lots of really good moments. I mean, the, who didn't fall in love knowing with, uh, with uh, Jungle Boy all over again? Oh, for sure. Um. Yeah, I, I I love that Miro was dominant. Um, Britt Baker finally getting her title. Tony Schiavone, who's been her bitch, going up and having uh, having Stockholm syndrome, giving her a mm-hmm. hug. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, that that was uh, in all honesty a very very sweet moment. Uh like knowing that us outside of storyline outside of kayfabe they're actually good friends and uh how much that probably meant to Britt baker for her good friend to come and give her a hug give her a hug and congratulate her um immediately following this huge moment for her um you know legitimately a great moment so um so yeah that's a good moment you know i mean it wasn't as good as sting in his first live one-on-one <laughs> match uh, in six years but you know it was good it was good <laughs> uh make sure to let us know what you think uh were the best and worst parts of the night uh in the comments on the video or uh on social media 
uh, at Raw and Order WBU on pretty much any of the social medias, let us know. So, yeah, you other best. Are you just stopping with best moment? That's it. Nope. We're moving on okay. to breakout star of the night. Boy, you want to say Orange Cassidy, don't you? But but then Leah Rush has what Leah Rush did. Yeah. I I Leah I Rush need... was so hated before, so incredibly hated before. And he was so again, only a couple minutes. So incredibly impressive during that time. I'm going to go with Leo Rush. I know that this is easy to put on other people, too. Mm-hmm. Um, my nominee for it is actually uh, Jungle Boy. Sting? Oh, no. Jungle Boy. Okay. Jungle, <laughs> Jungle Boy being the breakout star. Now, it's it's tough to to say that because he's been a star for a while, right? I mean, we're not... He's even I'm had not, a title shot. Um, but, but this was, in many ways, his coming out party. And um, for him to win in the fashion he did over a Hall of Famer at the end um, was was a big deal, I think. So so for me, breakout star of the night, I think, is Jungle Boy. I think he he leapfrogged up from mid card tag team member to to upper card single star right where was the rest of his teammates though i felt like luchasaurus wasn't there they came out afterwards oh they celebrated with him yeah okay fair yeah uh but they did not participate in anything which surprised me that they weren't in anything but no that's it so mine i honestly think um jungle boy jungle boy makes complete sense to me i was gonna say leo rush but i was just so disappointed how quick he was out of the match I was like, no, you make a big deal about him being the Joker. This guy's absolutely phenomenal. He's killing it in the ring. And then he just gets removed by Christian. Like, or make it at least someone who you're going to feud him against. I don't want him against Christian. Like, no. Might be good, maybe. But, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we don't know for certain if he's signed full-time long-term. Uh, but this is true. Uh, I sure, I sure would like to see him because here's the deal: WWE. While yeah, he was he was fun to watch as Lashley's spokesperson. Um, they they kind of treated him dirty because he is a very very talented wrestler, and just being Lashley's bitch didn't show that off very well. Well, then he did NXT for a bit too. No. He did do NXT for a short... Well, he did NXT first, and then he went back to it for a short period of time, but then he, he got let go. And so... Right. Um, I And here's the deal. is I, I know there was reportedly backstage uh, issues that rubbed people the wrong way that might have played into him getting let go, and hopefully he's cleared those up, but... Yeah. It was backstagey stuff that caused the issue. So, uh-huh. but, uh, but and that's the deal. Um, I I really like Leo Rush, and I'm happy to see him here. I just don't think he had enough time there to really be a breakout star, sort of. Thing. 
Um, I do know that Anthony Agogo is not the breakout star of the night. No. Um, He's such a beast. Um, when he just terrorized Cody Rhodes, um, he looked amazing. Uh, like I think it was a few dynamites ago, or maybe last dynamite even, but he just looked like a savage. He was crazy good. Um, I don't know if pinning him against Cody was the best move for his career. Like I said before, I think, uh, him going up against Cody could have been the best move for his career. And Cody made him look really good. Here's the tough thing with him is we literally don't know how good he actually is in the ring. Uh, because the only match that we've seen him in is against Cody. And Cody's a good enough hand to to make almost anyone look good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't believe he's just called Cody a good hand. A good hand, yeah. <laughs> um, mind-boggling, or is it hand-boggling? Oh, bling But I, I think <laughs> in the end, I think having him run, I think, I think they really should have had had Anthony Gogo do a run over a bunch of little guys first. Yeah, give him like the Lance Archer approach there, mm-hmm. the Goldberg, you know. Yeah. Well, I just say Lance Archer because they did that with Lance Archer. I uh, uh, the one thing the one thing that bugs me with Anthony Agogo, and this is going to be me being pedantic, um, in some ways, is um, I I'm so I'm old school with my wrestling rules concept of punches not being allowed that you have to hit with an open fist, and then you bring a guy in and his whole th- gimmick is he punches really hard, and it just bugs me. You know who looks like who could have now I'm maybe backtracking here, but kind of like uh breakout star two is I don't know, I really like this style and I don't know where I've seen him. Maybe he was only always on dark, but he was in the um in the ba- casino royale match. Uh a noda noda amoda I think he was the second suit. He's like some bulky big dude. I feel like it was long hair, beard. Naga, Naga. Oh, uh, y- you're talking um, Nick Moda uh, Nick Camarado. Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick Camarado um, is relatively new to he AEW. Um, he uh, was one of the people cut by WWE last year. Uh, oh. Uh he was a NXT wrestler, I believe. Uh Nick Camarado is, I believe, his real name. Um, but he wrestled in NXT as Nick Ogarali. Mm. Um, and like I said, he was one of the people cut last April. He Damn. didn't wrestle a ton and he was he was developmental okay. and so then he came in and uh mostly he's been wrestling well been training with cody rhodes and and uh um fucking oh he's he's part of the factory people part of the nightmare factory yeah yeah uh, marshall 
And uh, and so when the whole QT Marshall storyline came up, he was one of the people who joined QT Marshall side. Uh, he's got a good look. Yeah. Um, and he did look good in the match as a beast. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, that's that's something that I could I could get behind the idea of him being breakout star of the night. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just really not a fan of the whole nightmare factory. I I feel like there's a lot of good players in the factory, if you will, but I just don't like that group. I kind of feel like that group just kind of holds them back at being better. I think oh, I think God. they're developmental. I, sure. I I I got I'm gonna get such heat for this, I think. I think QT Marshall is what holds them back. Ooh. Uh QT Marshall is a phenomenal trainer. Um, he's, a decent, he's a decent in-ring performer, but I don't I don't think he's got what it takes to be a solo leader of a of a feud, right? QT Marshall is the Natalia of AEW. That is a uh, very good way to put it. <laughs> Yeah, and, right. and the fact that he's got the the nightmare factory, <laughs> Anthony Agogo, um, Nick Camarado, and uh, uh, Aaron Solo. Aaron Solo was also in the Battle Royal. Um, mm. Very short term in the Battle Royal. Uh, they made they made an announcement because QT Marshall had a shoulder injury or whatever. Right. Uh, Aaron Solo was going to take his spot. Um, and Aaron Solo came in and I think got eliminated within a minute, if even that. <laughs> wow. Like just in and out sort of a thing. Um, but I think I think it's it's twofold. I think DA Fabe is right. They're developmental. And that's the whole point. They they were training at the Nightmare Factory, they were brought on to AEW Dark to to help out there. And because the QT Marshall feud came up they suddenly got thrown into the spotlight and anthony agogo and nick camarado and aaron solo just might not be ready for the prime time yet with this Mm, okay that's fair um and nick camarado might be the most ready of the three of them um but like i say i think i think AEW wants us to be saying Anthony Agogo breakout star of the night because he looks so good, but I don't think he looked good enough to be breakout star of the night. I think that match was a B minus match, maybe a C match um, in the grand scheme of things. And I don't think it would have been uh, that match if anyone other than Cody had been doing it. And, well, I don't know. At the same time, I think the commentators always mentioning on his visual impairment was freaking stupid, too. Like, let the guy just wrestle. He's supposed to be a monster. You're not supposed to, like, give him this, oh, he only wrestles with, you know, 30% of his vision. Like, stop. He's supposed to be, like, a monster. He's supposed to be a bad guy. Like, don't, like, show sympathy. Like, I get it. It's a sympathetic situation, and it's a unique story. Sure, you want to Work on that, but he's a bad guy. This is yeah, but in, uh, Impact doesn't do that with Crazy Steve nonstop. True, not under does, does not, does not. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and yeah, I get that. Uh, I think I think the the fact that his eye impairment has been in the news kind of made them feel like they had to talk about it. Mm. Um, and I don't think they did, but that's a different thing altogether there. So, um, I do want to take, take a moment and, and go back into one of the worsts. This is a complaint I've had against AEW, uh, Casino Battle Royal since the beginning. The format of it, I know why they're doing it. They want to be different. They want to have a different look and a different feel than WWE, <clears throat> the Battle Royals with the Royal Rumble, for lack of a better term. But having the people enter five at a time just makes for an absolute nightmare jumble, right? Either you give every single one of them their full entrances like we did this year, at which point this whole uh, every three minutes, five more people enter is not true because it's every three minutes you get four minutes of people entering and then three minutes until the next people enter. Um, or like last year where they did it, they, they announced the five out. people and they just all kind of came out as a group and then no one got an entrance. And that's that's just a testament as to why WWE does it the way they do it. You have individual entrances where they get to they get announced, their music plays, they get to show up, and then they run straight to the ring. Well, um, and here's the problem too: they also have issues with playing because then they were playing the music for too long. Mm-hmm. Like the guy was in the ring, he was fighting, and I'm still hearing his music. I'm like, well, this is kind of weird. And then, then they, the other person comes out. Like, yeah, they gotta definitely work on that. I think it's more of a production thing. Well, it's a production, uh, but it's also it's just by the format by having five people. Uh, in each group, you're you're inherently not going to be able to feature their their entrances properly, one way or another. Right, for and, sure. And so, um, I think instead, if you did it where uh, they came out one at a time, but their their order was determined by their suit. Or, or heck, you even play it out their suit and their number. So the ace of spades comes out last, but the two of spades comes out first or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, you, you then get to separate yourself from the Royal Rumble a bit, but still have people have individual entrances without this huge weird... Hell, gap. just have a blackjack tournament beforehand. <laughs> what a great oh, pre-show <laughs> poker stars AEW edition yes um and also i don't know if it was just jr stupidity or if just they don't know i i think when when clubs came up they're like i guess that's clubs and i was like yeah, oh. it was the very first thing and you don't know that that's clubs <laughs> like and, odd. and i get it it was kind of a weird club too because i was thinking that but for the commentators, I'm like, guys, you, you have notes though. You know it's the fucking clubs. Like, you don't have to. I guess that's club. Like, you have to give your legitimacy to your products here. Like, come on. Well, maybe they were. Maybe they were giving legitimacy to themselves because they genuinely didn't know what that shape was. Uh-huh. But 
Because it did have a bunch of swirlies in it and stuff, but come on, man. Well, you knew it wasn't hearts or diamonds, that's for sure. You knew it's got to be spades or gloves. But it was either a really curvy spade or (laughs) a really fucked club. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think if you want to stick with this casino battle royal, instead of doing this five at a time thing, you um Set it up as a jackpot, as a, as a slot machine, right? All of their names are going to be on the slot machine, and it counts down ninety seconds or or thirty seconds or whatever. And then the slot machine shows up on the screen, and the handle gets pulled, and it goes ding ding ding, Jungle Boy, um, and then Jungle Boy comes out. And I need to hear those sound effects again, just so I can be clear about them. Ding ding ding. Jungle Boy. Perfect. Just wanted to make sure that, that that I had those correct in my head. Should that be a t-shirt? Dink, 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 Jungle Boy. I mean, it'd be dink, hard. dink, dink, Jungle Boy. That's the whole shirt. Dink, <laughs> dink, dink, Jungle Boy. Yeah. I think we'll get sued for that. Um, dink, dink, dink. Uh, well, order, Tarzan WWE. Boy. <laughs> So uh, we'll go ahead and move on to best performance of the night, which is not the same as breakout star because this includes people who are already stars and just had a great performance. So, anyone? Um, anyone? Well, I don't know. I mean, somebody else used Jungle Boy as their as their uh, breakout star, so. I guess that wouldn't count as the best performance of the night. Well, no, it's um, anyone. It's breakout stars it's, or it's legitimate. It can be the breakout stars. star and best performance. I'm just saying it's not limited to oh, just man. a breakout star. This could be anyone. Like, I couldn't have said breakout star of the night was Kenny Omega because he's the world fucking champion. But I can say best performance of the night if I wanted to. I'm not saying that. Um, <laughs> he had a great performance, but it's not my pick for best performance. Yeah, we all know you're going with Sting. Um, Surprisingly enough, I am not. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's Sting! Sting! Yeah, I'm um, I'm probably going to have to go with uh, with, Mir- with Miro again. I felt his power. Like, I don't know. He was good. Like, I really enjoyed that match. I was really into... How much of a beast he was. So yeah. I'm probably going to have Dang. to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not going with Sting. Um, or Miro. Or Miro. No. Um, I'm, I'm torn with exactly who I'm going to go with. Part of me thinks it's, it's either Orange Cassidy or Pac. Uh, because their performances during that were great. Um, but I also think that Britt Baker deserves being called out for yeah. a phenomenal performance, too. Absolutely. Rashida's performance was great as well. But I really enjoyed Britt Baker's and, and well-deserved uh, win there. Um, so I, I don't know. What do you guys think? One of those yeah. three? Or... Oh, Sammy Britt Guevara. Baker. Sammy Guevara, you think best performance? I had more emotional involvement in Sammy Guevara than I've ever had in my life. Oh, well. 
Um, I, I genuinely loved. I I have given two shits about that storyline until tonight, and I was all in on no pun intended on Sammy Guevara tonight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's valid. I just felt he's done crazier performances. But, I mean, at the same time, it, you weren't necessarily a huge Sammy Guevara fans, so that's awesome that this one uh, yeah. took the cake um, for you. Well, I agree. He's done crazier performances. I think sometimes, uh, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn for DA Fabe, but I think sometimes crazy performance is not the way to win over DA Fabe. Uh, mm-hmm. A more restrained yet still very very good performance right um there were so many little things about the same i would say an emotional performance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what we got tonight out of him yeah i mean the simple fact is uh jeff hardy has done crazy 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 performances but rarely was i emotionally tied to any of his performances right that's valid yeah i Um, mean the Undertaker, the Undertaker feud for Jeff Hardy was where where Sammy Guevara was for me. When you didn't break me tonight, he got retribution against the dude who tried to get him kicked out of his his group of friends, and most importantly, set himself up to be the leader of that group when Jericho goes on tour. Sammy yeah. Guevara is going to be the head of a group, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah. And the thing is, I think they played with this. Sammy Guevara does crazy shit um, a couple times in, in that that match. Because um, remember, last year, he was the one who took the pen from, from Kenny Omega. Right? Yep. And since then, he did the uh, ill-advised... Uh, scissor lift spot that um, nearly injured Matt Hardy. Um, you know, th- there was a lot of things that, that have happened since then that he's done that were crazy spots. And like in this one here, they walked by scissors lit a couple times, right? Uh, kind of teasing that, but they didn't do anything. And then there was that scene they were in one of the equipment rooms and he set uh, Sean Spears up on a platform and he climbed up really high on a, on a scaffolding thing like he was going to jump off. And then Sean Spears just fucked out, out of there and he climbed down, right? So I think yeah. they, they played with this. He's going to do crazy shit. But in the end, he won because he didn't do the crazy shit except for the beautiful 630. Right. Yeah, that's valid. And in a way, that might be the storyline that they're telling, is that he realizes that uh, he doesn't have to do the crazy shit. He just has to do the good shit. You you bring out the crazy shit when you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, in a match with Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, Pac, something like that, um, or where Moxley continues to kick out over and over and over again. If he's in one of those matches, yeah. Yeah, you might have to go that far. You didn't have to beforehand. Yeah. So, 
So I, I don't disagree with Sammy Guevara. He was someone that I thought about, but I don't know. Just just as a whole performance, uh, Britt Baker's, you know, that match from beginning to end was fire. Yes, it was. Um, yes. And and the pack and, and uh, Orange Cassidy parts of that main event were were great. I mean, <laughs> pack does a kick up a kip up smoother than anyone I've ever seen. Like he's on his back and suddenly he's on his feet. And it, it looks like there was no effort whatsoever in, in it, right? Everyone else does a kip up, e- even like Hangman Page or Orange Cassidy. And there's like a, a whole like I have to do this effort. And then they land on their feet and they're like, oh, they have to stand straight up or whatever. And Pac is just like, boop, I'm up. Chiseled <laughs> from stone is what that dude is. Um, and and he was a cruiserweight in WWE and uh, wasted. Yep. Yeah, so much talent was there, and we all kind of saw it because he would still do crazy things in the ring. Mm-hmm. But man, WWE just didn't use him. Ugh, so disappointing. Well, I mean. It it is a little unfair to to rag on WWE too much for it because uh, he was a cruiserweight in WWE and then they fired him and he went off and got fucking yoked. Um, also he, legit. Oh, uh, that's true. Swole up, um, and and uh, he legitimately looks a heavyweight now. Um, so. True. So I I might as much as I want to give it to Britt Baker I might put it on Pac. I think overall the performance from Pac uh, was good. And, you know, in the end, it was a triple threat match. We knew someone was set up to take the pinfall to try to protect someone else. And in the end, it was Orange Cassidy is in a way protected Pac. You know, um, Pac now can still legitimately say. You didn't pin me. I want my match. The other piece to Orange Cassidy is he did. He looked like the the weakest performer in that match, beginning to end. He looked like a guy who was looking for the the kill switch, the 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 orange punch, and that's it. If I can get this move, I win. But if I can't get this move, I am not the best performer out here. Yeah, I felt like that's all he was kind of doing between his hands and his pockets, and then that Superman punch or orange punch, whatever. Like, he, I mean, I, I think we all knew going into it he was going to be the weakest wrestler in that match, though. Like, Pac yeah. and Omega, come on. Like, those two are the, probably one of the top five most talented people in the world, and most certainly in AEW, so... Yeah, would be kind of hard, but he did. But uh, again, though, um, Cassidy did really good. Orange Cassidy did really good to yeah, stand he up was against good. those two. He well, just looked the weakest of the group. But what you have to remember is his storyline is always based on him being the underdog, right? That's the underdog and underestimated. True, and that's the way his storyline was set up for this. I mean, effectively, they were saying you might be the number one contender, but. Pac's really the guy who's who should be facing Kenny Omega. 
you know, you're you're really not the person who should be facing Kenny Omega. Here, sign this contract, and you can get a match later against Kenny Omega. Um, so. Yeah. But we will go ahead and move on to underhype of the night. <clears throat> this is kind of like the surprise of the night. What what laid underneath everything and you didn't think was going to be as good or the the surprise that kind of came out? Um, yeah, the it it really could have been one of those things where they could have spent the last month building up who will the Joker be? Um, yeah, Casino Battle Royale would probably have to be from Jungle Boy winning mm-hmm. to the Joker being Leo Rush. Uh, these two things I just didn't see going into it at all well especially considering two weeks ago i don't think we even knew and for certain there was going to be a casino battle royal oh yeah there is that yeah um (laughs) which which i think is a shame i mean that's that's a double or nothing staple they just i mean that's this is that's like the royal rumble they you don't ever get to the pay-per-view in wwe and be like oh by the way there's a royal rumble at this pay-per-view what <laughs> and yeah i i think that's AEW just not promoting their stuff again properly like they no. seem to legitimately have a huge issue with that i hear more I... about aew's ranting on wwe and tony khan's promo against njpw and wwe but i don't hear anything about their actual product which says a lot um, I I don't know. I I see a lot about their product. They 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 pitch it all over the place. Their social media is fire with it. I think here's what it came down to with the Casino Battle Royal. I think they legitimately didn't know if they were going to be doing it until a few weeks ago. Okay, and, very true too. And I, yeah. and I think a lot of it came down to: Are we going to have enough talent who can make it in and do this? And I think it shows by the fact that they had two people scratch last minute. Um, and they had to, to suddenly throw in two Nightmare Factory people. Um, <clears throat> although they had Chuck Taylor and and uh, uh, Trent just sitting around there and didn't use them. They had Luchasaurus sitting around and didn't use them. Um, said Marco Stunt. The Casino Battle Royal is is something that's like built for Marco Stunt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So little tiny um, wiry guy so. so i'm i'm gonna i'm 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 gonna throw a sideball to this even though it was heavily hyped um because of how fire this was i'm gonna call it the under hype of the night and that is live fans that oh, was yeah. incredible they were so involved you really don't know how to embrace that until you actually missed it for a year um even wrestlemania did not give us that level of of just amped up that was fantastic well and there are a couple things that play into it a the chance were organic Yes. And it's one of those things that uh, it felt so refreshing to hear. Organic, this is awesome. Organic. Instead of uh, piped in. You know, uh, during the, the Sheeta versus Britt Baker match. I think organic. that was the loudest. Let's go Sheeta, DMD. Let's go Sheeta, DMD. 
Uh, yeah. You know, and that's something that we haven't been getting for a year. And yes, it was phenomenal. Um, you know, and the the WWE marks have been uh, ranting for months about AEW air quotes forcing their wrestlers at ringside to sing along with uh, Judas when uh, Chris Jericho entered. Um, <laughs> at the end, that was. This, legit. <laughs> this was legitimately five thousand fans singing at the top of their lungs to Judas in my mind. Um, you know, this wasn't AEW forcing anyone to do it. This is, and and that's the reason that they had people doing it during the the pandemic is because it had legitimately become a thing the fans did. It was an organic thing, mm-hmm. but to have it organically happen with real fans, um, I think. I think fans are are definitely a good get for this, um, and and uh, AEW has not has not shouted it from the rooftops like WWE did. Mm-hmm. Um, we have they, fans, they, they, yeah. They they were we're gonna. Have, this is our first live fans. This is our first live fans. This is our first live fans. But it wasn't. It wasn't. This is gonna be so much different with fans here. Oh my gosh, it was so much different with fans there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so even though it had been hyped, it had not been hyped nearly as much as what it was the value that they genuinely provided to those of us at home. Yes. So yeah, that, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. I don't I don't know if I can argue against that one. So we will go ahead and move on to the oh my god moment of the night. Was there anything that made you just absolutely just jaw drop? Oh, I can't believe they did that. I have a couple negative ones, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. Please, somebody take the microphone away from JR. Please. Oh, my God. And every time he says it, like you can tell he's saying something stupid, and he knows it's something stupid, and then he's like, well, at least to me, like Jr. This doesn't make it better. Like, I know you're trying to be um, objective with your analysis, but then when you say something stupid, you make it like a subjective thing. Like it's stupid. Like, oh my, oh my God! Don't say that. Okay, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> now on the positive, oh my God, moments of the night, um, the BTE triggers over and over to Moxley were pretty. Cool. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, the some of the move sequences that Pack pulls off um, are were significantly oh my god um, the the fact that they did a cinematic rolling into the real match and still had everybody look like they were exhausted was fantastic in the in the stadium yeah, stampede yeah. and so that that plays a little bit on the under hype of the night uh with the with the fans being there mad props to have a cinematic match that rolls into the finale in the ring well and that's um, the, i think that plays into just the um you know, we never want to act like we're just going to give Tony Khan all sorts of credit for everything. But I do think this plays into the mindset of Tony Khan, knowing that 
We have fans here now. That fi- finale, that ending to that stadium stampede match has to happen in front of the fans. No ifs, ands, yeah. or buts about it, right? Yep. Doesn't matter what we do. We we can't, you know, we can't set up the big uh one winged angel through the the platform in the stadium like we did last year. This has to happen in the ring in front of the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's that's uh, uh, ring awareness, uh, wrestling awareness that Tony Khan has that I think can't be under at least appreciated. So, yeah, um, there were quite a few oh my god moments during the the Kenny Omega match that were I can't believe someone kicked out of that. Yeah, um, oh my god moments. Um, uh, the the reversal um, of the one winged angel mm-hmm. into the brutalizer. Yeah, that, that was, was incredible. I was like, oh, you just went to your finisher. You know, like this is awesome, and and Omega just walking around with it for mm-hmm. what felt like eons, but I know it was like twelve seconds, but still, that was very cool. But. Um. I think it was also, honestly, I think just that match in general was an oh my god moment because I believe this was also the match uh, where they did a superplex or he, someone was attempting to do a superplex and then the other guy comes in and, oh no, maybe I'm thinking of it was it being a Lance Archer match. But then it was supposed to be a superplex, but then he's still on the ropes. The other guy then comes in and does gives him like a German suplex or something. Uh, that that was this match. Uh, Kenny Omega was trying to set Orange Cassidy up for a, uh avalanche one-winged angel off the right. top rope. Yep. And uh, Orange Cassidy was able to hook his feet on, on the ropes so that Kenny Omega couldn't get him up for it. And Pack jumps up and does a release German suplex off the middle rope. It's crazy. Um, She's um, so talented. Leah rushes. Uh, Leah rushes. Poison Rana was oh, in yeah. that category. Um, that was on an athletic person, but it was such a little dude performing that on such a much much larger person. Um, and I don't remember who he did it to, but it was lights yeah. out. It was it was a member of private party. If I remember correctly, there there were a couple almost oh my god moments during the Hangman Page versus Brian Cage match, um, uh, but but I don't know if I mean none of them were like so far out of there that I I think they belong in this. Um, I do have to say, to me, the oh my god moment was was um, Scorpio Sky trying to do the the. Slingshot uh, cutter and getting caught by staying straight into the Scorpion Death Drop for the win. Oh, that yeah. was cool. Yeah. Was was really cool to me. Um, just because, like, I I legitimately thought Scorpio Sky had hit it right. He's he slingshotted in. It looks like he hit the cutter, and then it, it took my brain a moment to process. Wait, no, Sting didn't go down. Sting held the rope. Sting. He's got him in the Scorpion Death Drop. Oh my God! So mm-hmm. that's at least one I I want to put there as well. That was a good one too. So yeah. related best move, best singular move doesn't have to be the move that made you go oh my God, but it does have to be the move that made you go wow. Reversal so, to the brutalizer. That's a good. Yeah, 
that I'll probably I honestly between that and uh Pax German suplex. Oh anytime you have Omega in the ring, that dragon suplex is oh, nah, it's oh. so good. He has that <laughs> down to a T. But it's almost you'd have to say it every single match. It's yeah. so good, but you'd have to say it every single match. I feel like even uh Nick Romato's bell hit to Dustin Rose was pretty crazy too. Like it felt like a legit shoot hit. I think he hit him with the bell though, like the uh bull bell. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, but I mean nothing crazy. It just felt like it was a crazy hit. <laughs> kind of an oh my god moment worth at least putting in. I don't know whether it's best move or oh my god. Uh four different belt hits to Pac's head. Um <laughs> Different, just going through each of the belts. Like, here's the TNA belt. Here's the Impact belt. Here's the AAA Mega Champion belt. Uh, now here's the AEW. AEW Championship. Um, yep. Uh, uh, worth worth putting on the best move. Uh, Britt Baker's curb stomp to onto the Shield belt. Onto the yes, belt. yes. That's at least worth talking about. And Hikaru kicking out of it. Mm-hmm. But and then getting put in the fucking um, lockjaw and tapping out. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good matches. It was like a I don't I don't know what it was. I think maybe I'm just tired or whatever. Or uh, the last main event, the co-main event tired me out, and then after that, I just really I couldn't deal with the stampede um but they had a all the majority of the matches were really decent like they were good so yeah, yeah. that's why i said we we had a harder time with the worst for this because even the worst match of the night was still a good match yeah so uh this was such a good pay-per-view i really really enjoyed it but we will go ahead and move on to match of the night which one was the absolute best which was the banger of all bangers Damn. Uh, I'll <laughs> I'll go first. Uh Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida. It's a good pick. As a uh, there's not a wrong pick on this night. No. Um, a... I mean there is. If you say Cody Rhodes versus Anthony <sighs> Gogo, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, I mean it's that's just one hundred percent not the best match of the night. But but yeah, you could legitimately try to make an argument that the Young Bucks versus Moxley and Kingston was was the best match. I wouldn't agree with it, but no, I you could make either. an argument of it. Uh, you could make an argument that uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky versus Sting and Darby Allen was the best match of the night. It did tell one of the better storylines of the match. Correct of the night. Um, you know, I I personally, as much as I like Sting and as much as I liked the the match as a whole, it's not best match of the night for me. But you could make an argument. Um, you could make an argument that the opening match, Hangman Page versus Brian Cage, was best match of the night because it was fire. I, um, I gotta I gotta go watch that somehow now. But I <laughs> I probably will be along in the same lines and say Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker, my favorite match of the night. The yeah. the Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy one overall. <laughs> was on its way to potentially being it. The ending for it is probably what stops it for me. Not the, that I hate the ending, more that the ending took away from the match. 
the um, the hard part about Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, and Pac is the standard is set incredibly high. That bar is incredibly high. And because that bar is incredibly high, um, sometimes we don't give it the credit it deserves. It would probably be a very, very close number two. Yes. Like I say, to, to me, it's, we didn't really talk about it a lot, but let's talk about it now. The finish to that match saw uh, first um, Orange Cassidy uh, came in and with a, with a brilliant underdog move threw Pack out of the ring after Pack had already hit uh, his finisher on Kenny Omega um, and then goes to pin Kenny Omega. And Don Callis comes out, pulls the ref out of the ring, um, stopping the count. But that's not the finish. That's just the setup to the finish. The finish then happens a little bit later where uh, um, you've got a, a, a submission happening in the ring. Kenny Omega trying to break up the submission, realizing he can't, so instead... He attacks the referee, beats the tar out of uh, poor Bryce Renberg for a bit, and then uh, goes apeshit on Pack, and with four different yeah. shots to the head, and then still almost loses to Orange Cassidy before getting that roll-up win. And <clears throat> as a whole... I feel like that probably just brought down the match as a like if it had ended in less schmozzy of a way, I might have put that one's match of the night. That said, I think if you had Orange Cassidy win, forget about it. It would have just been crazy underdog wins, best match of the night. We'd all be wondering what's gonna happen on Friday. Uh, I, I I think you're right. So I think we're in agreement, uh an agreement, fellas. I think we're going with Brit versus Kirishita, because that was a really great match, too. I I think you still could have had Kenny Omega win, and I think you could have had him win in much the same way, just without the ref attack and, and all yeah. that. So, I think the ref attack, though, sells something on Pac. Um, it sells that Pac can get kicked in the head and so deeply wants this title. Mm-hmm that he continued to hold the submission and that that orange Cassidy so deeply wanted the title that he wasn't going to tap to the submission. I think, I think they still could have told that without the ref attack. And I think they could have sold it in the same way that they ended up doing it. Kenny Omega comes in, realizes that he can't get, uh, Pac to release the, the thing, even with a couple kicks to the head, so he calls to his buddy outside the ring, Don Callis. Don Callis throws in one of the belts. And then he starts beating And the Omega starts Pac beating him, Pac up with the belts. Bryce Rember then stands there and he's like, I can't stop him because there's no DQ in this match. Yeah. All I can do is say, don't do that. Ah, you did it again. Don't do it again. Ah, you did it again. Um and then you you take this whole, I beat up the referee, the referee lays there like he's dead, we wait for another referee to come in to call the thing. The ending of the match still could have effectively been the same, just yeah. 
without the ref fit. But anyways, we're in agreement. Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida match of the night. Um, phenomenal match. Loved it. They're definitely uh, doing a lot to build up that women's division. Um, so, so one of the things, one of all of these, we agreed. Hmm. Um, yep. But we nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Just like MJF did, but but he didn't hit anything. Tony Khan's desk. desk. Yeah, he hit the desk once. <laughs> Old and it was a real hammer. So, um, the, the probably my only disappointment overall with this is I think I said before that there weren't, there wasn't like that big surprise. Like Leo Rush was a surprise, but they kind of sold it like we're gonna have a big surprise. Like maybe Brian Danielson's gonna show up or something like that. Yeah, that's like, what I was thinking of too. I was like, oh man, it's gonna be Daniel Bryan. <laughs> um, that being said, much like WWE did, uh likes to do, um, it could be they're holding their big surprise for their televised show. Because WWE likes to hold their big surprises off from WrestleMania and instead have them in the match right after or the raw right after WrestleMania. So so we'll, well see. WWE doesn't week. do that anymore, so well, WWE doesn't have any surprises to pull anymore. They cut all their talent. It's <laughs> <laughs> a valid point. It's sad, but true. Their, their surprises are Eva Marie. Who apparently will lose every match that she has to help support other women superstars. I, I actually heard it was even more that she wasn't actually going to wrestle. She was mostly going to be like managerial. Um, oh. And... And so that that really uh, doesn't go so far to to support D.A. Fabe's contention that uh, her wrestling skill will be much improved. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but on that note, we're going to start to wrap things up for this. Uh, uh, we don't want this podcast, this live stream to be as long as the pay-per-view. And it's nope. late. And even though tomorrow's a holiday here in the States, um we still got stuff to do tomorrow, and so we're all and I live in Canada, so I still work. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there are still a lot of Americans that work tomorrow. I, I oh, I'm just okay. fortunate to be on the list of of ones that don't. But uh, as much as we like to to pretend to that everyone gets Memorial Day off, um, there are a lot of businesses that are still open on Memorial Day. Um, yeah, for sure. A lot of them. Everybody gets holiday pay, though. Yeah. But anyways, make sure to check out all the links in the doobly-doos below. Uh, it's going to have all of that stuff down there uh, for our socials and our <laughs> Patreon and our merch store. All of that stuff down there so you can support us in those ways. Um, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. We mentioned that before. Uh, head on over to tatnusco.com and and see what they got there. Um, and uh, all of that, you can follow us on the social media. You can follow me at Raw and Order WBU. Um, pretty much any of them. You can follow Da Fabe at Da Vincent K Fabe on Twitter. Right there on Twitter, and then you can follow JLB at 
jlb420 real talk radio is the brand at real talk radio 8 anchor.fm slash rtr i've been slacking but i'm in school and i think school is more important at the moment so i will get to everything shortly if you do want something asa please please don't hesitate to bitch at me at uh, real talk radio 8 and i will be sure to be motivated to put it up yes see i went ahead and put your <laughs> your thing up on screen here so that people can see your uh twitter handles there ain't i a nice guy very nice yeah too kind nice guy nice guy i'm pointing out without too. his camera on yeah yeah it's late i'm not gonna turn my camera on. best in the world what happened there that I don't know what's going on there. That's got a mayhem. Anywho, um, but yeah, uh, if you have anything to say, if you um, have some thoughts on it, tweet at us or hit us up on social media, or, or go ahead and leave a comment on this. We'd love to hear what you guys thought. Of Here's my comment. comment. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I but, just thought he pre-recorded all of his douchebaggery. Yeah, that's what it all was. He was just sitting there. He didn't want to turn the camera on because he was sitting there with a with a digital tape recorder, just pressing play anytime. We <laughs> Worst match of the night. Um, it was. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, make sure to tune in later this week for our uh, FBI fantasy booking episode. Uh, Going to be Tuesday night at 10 30 central as well so um but we're gonna go ahead and close the book on the wrestling booking unit uh thank you all for joining us and we will see you soon Deuces. yeah bye-bye ciao